Hello and welcome to the Currency Exchange NatWest Markets podcast, where myself, Imre Daly, and our team of FX market strategists help to break down the main themes and events driving currency markets in the weeks ahead. Today, I'm joined by Alvaro Vivanco, our EM and ESG head of strategy research. Alvaro, since we last talked, a lot has happened in financial markets. We were previously all fixated on inflation dynamics globally, but obviously now concerns have focused on uh, risk to banking sector. Um, and we've obviously had a more dovish pivot. Um, you know, how have you viewed how EMFX has reacted to this um, and what you make of the latest developments? Yeah. Hi, Imer. Hi, everybody. Thanks for, for joining the podcast. Clearly, very, very exciting couple of, of weeks. Uh, I think kind of the first principle to some extent, right, and there's some caveats about it, but in general, right, investors cannot be concerned about two opposites at the same time. So for emerging markets at the beginning of the year, and certainly last year, the main concern was higher US, US and global interest rates, right, that was pushing especially the dollar higher. And now really abruptly and suddenly, we are in an environment of lower uh, interest rates, uh, expectations that the Fed is going to end the cycle soon, or maybe it has actually you know, concluded the cycle and they're not going to hike again. So between these two things, right, we obviously went from one extreme to another. And I don't think that you know, significantly lower rates, in, especially if they take a place in an environment of uncertainty and concerns about the global financial system, you know, that's not positive for EM for sure. But what we have seen just this month is that emerging market currencies have actually performed very well across the board, right? With very few exceptions, most currencies have actually appreciated against the dollar since the concerns about, you know, regional banks in the US and European banks started, um, you know, a few, a few weeks ago. I think that that's very important. And it tells you a couple of things. I think the first one is that there is demand for emerging markets. There's a demand for carry. That people are fairly comfortable with it. The positioning um, in some of these currencies was already quite high, right? There was a few popular trades. We talked about Mexico. We talked about Hungary uh, in your region being kind of obvious trades that benefited from very high uh, carry, very high yields. The, different, the fundamentals are obviously very different between the two countries, but what we have seen is that even in those cases, right, where people had already those positions, the, the initial reaction to the shock was, was significant, but since then they have recovered quite a bit and people seem to be coming back to them. So I think that there's like a longer theme going through that this is still a period in which people want to switch away from the dollar to some extent away from other developed market currencies into these emerging markets. So, so far, you know, obviously a lot of concerns. I don't think that we can claim that the story is over, but I think it was a very important test for emerging markets. And so far it has done uh, very well. And you mentioned about, you know, the Fed shifting more dovish. How have EM central banks themselves reacted? Have they changed their policy outlook? Well, we're in the process of that, uh, right? We have some meetings coming up uh, today that will give us some clues. Um, what we have here, we are hearing so far is that 
Central banks don't like, all central banks in emerging markets don't like this uncertainty, don't like this volatility, right? It's, even though conditions are obviously very different, you know, the, the reflection back to 2008 comes back when people hear about financial conditions tightening, about concerns about global uh, banks, uh, they're obviously worried about it. And I think the reaction has been the natural one, which is EM central banks have already tightened quite a bit. There's still a lot of inflation concerns in the pipeline, and they're not willing to give up quite yet. They're not willing to ease, even though, you know, otherwise in terms of domestic conditions, it will seem like the right time to perhaps end the cycles or even start easing in some countries. I think all this external volatility makes them a little bit more cautious, a little bit more reluctant to jump into that until we see how it's evolving. As I said, things over the last few days are evolving in the right way. So, you know, we can go back to some conditions in which central banks start uh, signaling that they are done. But I think for markets, it has been the right reactions, which is, central banks have, um, have been more hawkish, but actually it has been in your region that we have heard from some of them. So I wanted to throw the question back at you and see, you know, what are they saying in the ones where, you know, we have some official communications since, since the external environment started becoming. Yeah. yeah, so in my region, we are both hungry and the Czech Republic, um, they kind of had to make a very tough policy call in the middle of all this volatility. And, you know, it absolutely corresponds to what you're saying. It's kind of a safety first message. So for me, I think Hungary was the biggest change. Actually, in their last meeting, they kind of changed their interest rate for guidance. So really what would have been usually a precursor to a rate cut, that was completely revised in their meeting this week. So, you know, they previously said they saw a trend-like improvement in risk perception, which is really code for we've got a stronger currency, which is better for our economy and for inflation. They revised that. They said, you know, it's an adverse risk environment. Risks are high. We're monitoring it. I thought what was interesting is they did a scenario analysis of four different scenarios um, about how the situation globally could evolve, and one of which was a massive outflow um, from emerging market assets that clearly have had a very sharp reminder of, you know, the currency depreciation that they could, you know, feel um, if it's an adverse market reaction for emerging markets, they could really be vulnerable to it. And checks are the same, so they very clearly push back against market expectations of tightening. So hopefully EM central banks are being quite conservative and very much safety first. But given this, you know, if central banks kind of hold the line, do we think that it is carry is king? I mean, that's something that we have been saying for the last few months and really is one of the principles of why we have been positive on emerging markets since, since last year. But I think it's important to, to note that it's not carry and just carry, right? It's carry, especially in those countries where the fundamentals are also solid, right? The balance sheets are in good shape. There are no concerns about debt sustainability, right? Which, you know, other countries, smaller, more niche markets are, are going through some pressure points because they borrow a lot. And now that this, the Fed is, is uh, increasing interest rates, they're feeling that pressure. But, you know, for the large liquid emerging market economies, that is not really an issue. Growth expectations have started to, to improve quite a bit over the last few months. The mix versus inflation is also improving as, you know, central banks have, have tightened. So it's, it's just not 
carry for the sake of you know chasing carry is carry in a context where everything else makes sense and i think now especially if we are closer to the end of the hiking cycles for uh, developed market i think um, the debate and kind of the flows are going to move towards the longer end of the curve right these are countries that for the most part in terms of the fiscal response, it has been adequate. There's some there's some exceptions that we have been highlighting, but I think you know the yields that the, towards the longer end of the curve, uh, you know, have been attractive for a long time. The constraint has been let's wait to see where the Fed ends up, and it, to the extent that we're getting closer, clear idea of where that might be, I think that you know for the next few months, that's where we can really see some of these fixed income flows. Uh, consolidating, which will help the curve, but it also in the vast majority of countries will help the currency because the carry at the front end is so high that it's, it's, it, it's really the, the exposure to the currency that provides that, um, that valuation, that, that momentum. I mean, when you talk about high carry, you know, your region, LATAM, really stands out. Are you still positive on Max and Brazilian Real? Yeah, I, I am, and I think there's there's really no no reason to change that. Uh, you know, again, we'll see the, the policy reaction from Mexico today. We have other countries that we are a little bit less optimistic just because of the levels and some concerns. But yeah, I think that if you look globally, right, Mexico and Brazil are actually pretty straightforward in terms of fundamental story. There's some noise, political noise in Brazil that's that's declining. So I feel that. Uh, in both cases, the levels are different, but I think the, the, the rationale to be long, uh, you know, is still very, very strong. Uh, I think in some, in some cases, it has been your region that has, uh, you know, brought some headlines on the political side. Israel, obviously, you have had a good call on that. Maybe you can give us a little bit of an update of how your view has changed in light of, you know, the developments in both directions recently. Yeah, so my region is definitely causing some volatility in recent days. We had very dramatic events unfolding in Israel. So kind of the main focus has been the government's attempt to really overhaul the judiciary, which some claim is kind of undermining um, democracy in Israel. So over the weekend, we had, you know, the highest, most senior government officials so far coming out and criticizing uh, the judicial legislation. Um, he was subsequently um, dismissed from government. Then we had mass protests on Sunday night. And on Monday, we had, you know, paralyzing strikes across the economy, really, you know, shutting down whole sectors. Uh, because of this, uh, the Prime Minister Netanyahu was basically forced uh, to come out in a public address and announce the delay, which I think is the key word of this uh, judicial legislation. So it's really assets really rallied off the back of this. There's real signs of hope that this was kind of a return to more normalcy, uh, to more orthodox governance. I would say that I'm a little bit concerned that this is a bit premature. It's not just Netanyahu's decision actually to progress this legislation, actually kind of the survival of his kind of very broad coalition government really depends on it. You know, he formed a coalition with ultra-orthodox parties, also the far right. And actually, in terms of policy acts, this is kind of the lowest bar. Some of their other uh, policy um, demands could be a lot more contentious than judicial reform. We saw actually the police minister in agreeing to this delay 
uh, basically uh, got command of the National Guard, which people say, you know, could we use it as a militia force? Um, so some really worrying signs. Um, even though, you know, the legislation has now been delayed until the next parliamentary session, so the 30th of April, um, and there will be a chance for the different parties to try to form some kind of compromise. But if they don't, it will go back to a vote in the next parliamentary session, starting for the 30th of April. So I do think we could see a slight reprieve um, in some of the Israeli assets, but I wouldn't be kind of going headlong into this rally. I do think you know, recent developments have kind of exposed some of those big rifts and have left Israel a lot more kind of internationally isolated um, on the global front. Um, well, kind of bringing us to a close on that very pessimistic front, um, I guess the key thing is, you know, what should we watch for in EM going forward? What are the key kind of catalysts, you know, which will help us kind of uh, gain more confidence and move back into carry going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think what, what you just said is interesting, right? Israel has been very unique in terms of these political headlines really heating up. I think for the rest of the countries, it's been mostly driven by the external environment. And you know, in terms of domestic factors, it really is carried to volatility is the macro side. And I think politics and policy you know, have been uh, a little bit in the, in the background, which is, is good for emerging markets as a whole. So as I said before, we are keeping our bullish stance in some of these this currencies, not all of them. We, we can, you know, the, the readers can go through uh, some of our recommendations in, in our research, but, um, I think what's going to be important is obviously for the external conditions, the, the, the credit markets to continue to heal uh, over the next few few weeks. I think that there will be some other news, right? Other sectors that affect the banking system globally uh, because of the shifting of conditions globally. And I think you know we we should expect those to happen. Uh, in terms of emerging markets, as I said before, is this balance between the effects of the previous tightening that has already started to seep through the economy versus improving growth expectations. I still feel that there's a little bit of momentum from the Chinese reopening, right? That has really not impacted uh, emerging markets uh, as a one-time shock. I think it's, it's seeping through, but obviously it's, uh, it's positive for a lot of uh, commodity exporters. And then just, just the simple banks. And uh, you know, in a way, this noise makes me a little bit more, more comfortable that they will be uh, careful about moving too soon to, to easing conditions, which as, as we said, is critical. So for now, those are the, the things to, to watch. Hopefully things calm down, uh, continue to, to go well. But um, you know, as I said at the beginning, I think the test was very strong for EM. And I think compared to previous episodes, uh, of, of external volatility really, you know, causing disruptions in the market and emerging markets so far is, is going well. Mm, yeah, hopefully kind of financial markets continue to recover um, and we get to move back into some of those high quality carry plays in EM. Uh, Alvar, thank you so much for joining me. And um, that's about all we have time for, for this week's episode. If you did like the episode, please do click like so others can find us and do subscribe so you get the latest episode first. Thanks again.